0: Welcome back to another episode of the Lead with Data podcast with myself, Rena Gammy. In addition to being a podcast host, I also lead a business intelligence and data analytics recruitment practice. This is the podcast where I bring you some of the most talented data leaders who have contributed in significant uplift of BI and data analytics capabilities in some of the most progressive organizations across Australia. I want to share the stories of their careers, challenges they faced, and the reality of how the recent pandemic may or may not have impacted their roles and responsibilities in their current organizations. Here's where we get to learn what some of the professionals in this field are doing right now. Welcome back to another episode of Lead with Data. On the show today, I'm joined by Kylie Kirkby. Kylie is a Senior Manager of Data Governance at Bendigo and Adelaide Bank. It was great to have a guest like Kylie on the show. And Kylie's been with Bendigo Bank for almost 20 years. She didn't naturally come from a data governance background. She actually came from um, a slightly different background, has worked in a number of roles across the business, predominantly across uh, business analysis, Um, She worked on one of the key uh, Basel II projects, which came into play some years ago. Um, She's been responsible for managing the information delivery. Um, She's been an Agile Squad Lead um, and then spent the last um, two, two and a half years uh, taking on the role of Data Governance Lead. Um, And she's now the Senior Manager of Data Governance. And it was great to talk to her about where they're at in their journey some of the strategies, some of the challenges that they faced, um, but ultimately they're sort of still at the very early stages of their journey. Um, and it was a great discussion to talk to her about how she's approached it coming, um, coming at it from a business lens and a non-technical background. I hope you really enjoy the show as much as I did. Um, feel free to reach out if you have any questions after. Thank you very much, Kylie, for joining me on the show today. No worries, Rena. It's lovely to be here. Thanks for inviting me along. Lovely. Um, and look, I think today's topic um, is going to be around um, data governance and, and strategy. But like I always do with my guests, I'll get you to just give uh, the listeners a bit of an introduction to yourself and just a brief background to uh, how your career's been over the, you know, over the, the, the time of your career. Great. Thank you.
1: Um, I'm currently the Senior Manager of Data Governance at the Bendigo and Adelaide Bank. Um, personally, I'm based in the, the Bendigo head office and been working with the organization for almost 20 years now. Um, so started off, uh, like a, a lot of people, I guess, coming into the organization as a casual because I didn't know what I wanted to do with my career.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, and 20 years later, yeah, here I am. Um. So through that time, I started off in the the credit risk space um, and merged into some project areas primarily focused on the Basel Capital Accord that that came in quite a number of years ago. Yeah. And from that, um, then moved into the business analyst role um, by chance, really, more than anything else. So I, I started off my university degree as a marine biologist. Oh wow. Um, Yeah clearly clearly not a very transferable skill set but obviously coming in as a business analyst um, my natural skills around organisation and coordination and and engagement with people really helped Um, and I spent quite a long time in that space in the organisation mainly dealing with customers. So we had a a fairly large project of work that we did here quite some time ago now introducing a a single consolidated view of our customer records Um, and that was supported by a a big data warehouse project and a a number of other initiatives at the same time. So through that, um, whilst my focus primarily was customer, I I obviously got an understanding of the organisational data and the landscape associated with that. And so I've spent a a lot of my time um, not in a technology role specifically, but adjacent to technology and data um, with that real customer focus most of the time. Um, And then... Yeah, I went off and, and had a, a little girl yeah. um, a, a number of years ago and coming back from maternity leave, I, I said to one of my previous bosses, um, looking for a role that's not got a a, a large team to manage and, mm-hmm. you know, just three days a week to ease myself back into yeah. it. And, yeah, the suggestion at the time was that the data governance space might be a, a good spot to join. Um, it was just starting to emerge in the organisation at the time, so didn't have a, a massive team behind it or a big program of work. And, yeah, it was really just about how we started to introduce that into the organisation. And, um, and,
0: yeah, here I am. Lovely, lovely. Um, And I suppose, um, obviously, you you took the role um, and decided it was something that you were obviously quite passionate about. So if I were to ask you, what are you most passionate about when it comes to data, um, what would it be? Yeah, and look, um, my family will tell you
1: I'm a data nerd (laughs) because I like making massive spreadsheets. (laughs) Um, but, But to be honest, you know, data isn't really the thing that drives me. It's more so that data is the vehicle that we can use to drive value in the organisation. And for me personally, that's really what it's always been about um, working in the customer space. Particularly, you know, I, I really enjoyed connecting myself to the outcomes that we were driving on the customers' behalf, um, also to our staff members within the organisation and how we could make their life easier by efficiency gains and process improvements through the, the use of data. Um, so, really, that's what it's all about for me. Again, now, um, clearly, I still partner very closely with our risk management areas. So, so that is an important factor of the role. But what I'm really trying to focus on is is that value proposition, how that we're able to take our organisational data assets and use them more Um, get better use out of them, making sure that they're being managed properly and they've got the appropriate uh, governance and oversight to drive quality so that the business areas that are consuming them really get that value from the data and can use it with
0: confidence. Excellent. Excellent. Um, and if you could maybe just share, you've obviously had a number of different roles um, at Bendigo and coming from a marine biologist background. Um, mm-hmm. and it's funny actually, because my son, uh, my son says that he wants to be a marine biologist or, um, or go into paleontology and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always worried going, you know, if that's not a career he loves, can he do something else? But I think you're evidence that, you know, you, you can move into something else and, um, you know, yeah, there must be some sort of skills that are definitely transferable. So, ah, uh, look,
1: absolutely. And I think in a lot of these roles too, there's so much variation mm. in the types of things that you can do in this space now because data is just so pervasive across every organization. So, you know, for me, the, the skills, yeah, were just a little bit of analysis. Um, and and the ability to talk to people about things and get messages across and and that's what's really drawn me through this whole process and and those skills you know I think come naturally to so many people.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's such an interesting space. I think, like you said, then there's so many different areas of data that you can go into. Um, that I think that's what's really exciting about it. It's not just technical. I think people often <clears throat> mistake data as being technology, and it's not. It's you know, technology drives what you can do with the data, um, but you know there's so many different um, elements of it and different roles that exist within it. So yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and if, if, as I said, if I were to ask you about a couple of your kind of career highlights, what would they be? Ah, oh, look, <laughs> it's a difficult
1: one. Um, I'm absolutely not technical. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, a while ago I, I did teach myself SQL and use that on some of the projects. But like all technical skills, if you're not maintaining them and keeping them yeah. up to date, you lose them very quickly. So, um, yeah, and and again, even with finance, I, I'm not driven by finance particularly. So working in a bank for 20 years <laughs> um, has, has actually surprised me yeah. more than anything else as well. But, you know, working with an organisation like this um Bendigo Bank particularly shares a lot of the same personal values that I have. So mm-hmm. when I think about my career highlights, it's not so much about initiatives that I've delivered or anything along those lines. It's more about knowing that I've contributed to something that's made a difference to people. Or, um, yeah, I'm, I'm working with an organisation that is achieving some incredible goals that are really aligned to the sorts of things that I. Um, believe are important, not just for myself but for my community um, and my, you know, broader working environment as well. So really it's it's mostly about that Um, and and that's where I guess working in that customer space really was an enjoyable time for me throughout my career. Um, We delivered a lot of functionality that helped our customers Mm. do business with us more easily um, and really gave us that deeper connection with our customers from a, a frontline staff point of view as well. So, something I'm quite proud of. Um, and, and yeah, it's really been a sustainable change with the organisation as well that we've been able to
0: build on quite significantly over time. Brilliant. And I love that. I love how so many times in this conversation you've mentioned customer um and you know the experience because i think when people think of data governance they think it's a back-end process but everything you've just said in the in, in the first few minutes of this you know podcast is around the experience and the value and the impacts of having a better experience for your customer and i think um That's such an important message um, Mm. for organisations in terms of where data governance plays such a key role um, and the positive impact that it can have on the front line. Um, In terms of um, the topic today, I know we were going to talk a little bit about, because I think one of the key things that you're sort of driving at the moment is really establishing and solidifying sort of um, a a much more stronger kind of data governance function at Bendigo Bank. Um, So, you know, we're going to talk about, you know, how you can begin... The process of rolling out data governance across an organisation. Um, would I be right in saying that data governance has existed for, for a long time but has always probably been part of someone's role or across a number of different roles as opposed to a specific sort of function and key role as it exists today? Um, you know, what, what's what's your sort of thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, look, absolutely, I'd agree and And um, I did laugh a number of times when I first took on this role. Um, I talked to people about the fact there have been five other people in the, you know, 10 to 15 years prior to me doing this that have done this exact same role and and tried things to the point where even um, I pulled up a document that I found that was written by one of these people, uh, I think it was about 10 or 13 years ago. Mm -hmm and what they wrote in there was almost word for word for the business case that I wrote (laughs) when I first started. So, um, yeah, what, what I've observed in that is, um, you know, these roles have come out of the Basel, um, accreditation program. They've been part of our, um, information management area. Um, typically, you know, pockets of, of different projects within technology and some large-scale data projects have tried to establish these roles but in all of those circumstances they were always really focused on that particular project mm-hmm. and the delivery associated with that project and that made it really difficult for them to I guess be sustainable because after the project was delivered the roles weren't properly embedded in the organisation. And so, over time, as that project became less relevant, you know, the, the resourcing and the funding associated with it disappeared. Um, so, in our organisation, I guess we have seen it pop up in areas where there was a specific need. So, we have, for example, um, within our customer master, a dedicated group of data stewards that are associated with managing those records. Um, throughout the business we have little pockets of data governance that have cropped up in you know analytical areas or risk areas or as I said you know areas related to particular projects and and yeah they'll they'll serve a particular purpose but when you're looking at doing data governance at scale Mm -hmm. you really need to be able to provide that enterprise lens over it and You know, my experience personally is it does need to move out of the technology areas as well and and be more integrated into those business transformation projects and and various areas of the business to really get that sustainable change and culture shift that you need to to make the program successful.
0: Excellent, excellent. And how would you describe the role of data governance in an organisation?
1: Look, and... (laughs) That's been the trickiest one for me um, because there is so much in this space that you can take on and, you know, particularly where you're trying to just start off small and and move forward, it's really difficult to just grab onto a particular piece because everything's so interrelated and Mm -hmm. connected that it's hard to do a little bit at a time. Um, So, For me personally, uh, the way that we've tackled it is to really focus on our organisation being able to trust that our data is usable and and that they understand it well enough that they're putting the right context over it when they're using it for their own purposes. So that's driven out a, a specific, I guess, agenda around data quality and data ownership associated with that. So th- for us, they're the two main things. But um, but really, you know, on, on the side where where we're finding time, we're also looking into things like how we share our data across um, our internal stakeholders, but also potentially with external partners as well. Um, the ethics associated with that. We're looking at a lot around the data literacy piece. So making sure those contextual definitions are, are out there and as an enterprise we're using consistent definitions across the group. Um, but really just helping people be able to understand and access the data more easily than um than yeah any any non-governed data asset that we have. Um, so Within our organisation, we have a separate group that looks Mm -hmm. after cyber security and everything associated with that. So whilst it could be considered coming under the umbrella of data governance, Mm -hmm. um, we've separated that out due to the the focus that we wanted to put on that particularly. Um, And we're also restricting our focus um, more from a a practicality point of view than a a traditional definition of what data governance is, but we're not looking at document management or, or the broader information governance suite at this point in time, um, just while we're establishing our maturity.
0: Yeah. You know, yeah, there
1: there are other parts of our organisation that are starting to look into that. But, um, but yeah, it is quite a minefield when you, yeah. you start bringing all those things in.
0: Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, in terms of, um, I suppose, you know, you mentioned you've held different roles, uh, you know, uh, and for you specifically uh, across, you know, Bendigo Bank, um, and then you've moved into the data governance role over the last few years. Mm-hmm. How did you, I mean, firstly, there was obviously um, a reason that they created this role, right? And And you touched on it there, you know, rather than having them embedded into each business, the organisation understood that it needs to be tackled at more of a higher level, a holistic level, an enterprise level. So how did you start the process of educating the business around data governance?
1: Sure. And, you know, I guess that was one of the reasons I was given this role because I'm good at talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, no, look, it, it started um, through our data and analytics strategy. Um, we created the equivalent of a, um, a, a group data office or, you know, Chief Data um, Office, some people call them. And through that strategy, we we separated ourselves out from the technology delivery and looked at how as an enterprise we want to um, establish our roadmap to modernize our technologies going forward, how we want to use data in the future, and and really tried to lift ourselves up out of the operational side of things to look at that. Forward view, and through that, it was really obvious that the data governance function was quite important to be able to establish that trust and to make sure that the assets we were providing to the business were fit for purpose and of a, a standard that met their needs, particularly. So, um, so it started off there, and, and you know, we have had quite a lot of challenge along the way because both myself and um, my leader have come out of the technology space so that there is still a perspective that we're operating as technology people Um, but really the intent of what we did was we joined our broader transformation program and then started looking back into those business areas and engaging with them and you know really the first two years of what I was doing was just Creating demand for this by talking to people, helping them understand what it was. Um, We created a a governance council where we brought in lots of business people and started talking to them about our intent and why this was important and how it could help their business, particularly. Um, We also took over an existing data user group function um, where we engage about a hundred people at a time once a month and just have presenters and and people coming in to talk about what's going on in the data space and and what we were doing. So, yeah, a lot of it was really just starting to build that data literacy and helping people to understand what we meant by data governance, where we were already doing it and, and how we might bring all of that together.
0: Excellent, excellent. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, and look, you touched on it there, you know, it's the culture um and the mindset change that, you know, you have to take you know, people through that journey. Um, and that's probably one of the biggest challenges, I think, when it comes to to data governance, particularly because I think immediately people assume, and I've said this before, the word data governance scares people because they think, oh, you're gonna you're gonna police what they're doing, you're trying to put you know, you know, tight frameworks around what they can and can't do. Um, can you share with us some of the challenges you may have faced or that, you know, people might face um, whilst they're sort of going through this and, and how you have overcome them or how you could overcome them?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's worth pointing out, we are still very early mm. in our journey as well. So I'm sure there's a lot more that we'll face going forward. But yeah. Um, Yeah, look, for me, there's two main things. Um, You know, resourcing is always a challenge in the current environment. So to your point, people are always worried that you're going to ask them to do more than they've got the capacity to do. So really helping them to understand that a lot of the time they are actually doing this sort of activity already anyway. They're maybe just not structuring it or, or doing it in a way that, provides value to the group rather than just to their particular business unit. So a lot of what we do is just educating them around, say, oh, if you just did it this little bit differently and, um, and tapped into these other enterprise processes, then we'd get a more consistent outcome across the group and, and what you do would then be available for others to reuse as well. Um, and to your other point, um, I think there really is that fear, um, particularly in banking. the The risk frameworks that we're put under through the the regulators mm-hmm. and you know just good operating practices generally are really rigorous and can be quite intense mm-hmm. a lot of the time. Based on those, the frameworks and regulations you have to comply to at the moment, um, data governance is is not something that the regulators have mandated. Um, so, there's quite a lot of freedom for a lot of organisations too to just do it in a way that suits their particular business function and do it from a, a value point of view rather than purely a risk mm-hmm. point of view. So, when I'm I'm talking to people, yeah, they're, they're all, all often worried that you're going to put all these heavy processes and monitoring and compliance-type activities over the top, so they tend to steer away from that. Mm -hmm. But then when you just have the conversation with them to say, um, you know, it's not about that. A lot of the time it's just about sensible thinking Mm -hmm. and and doing some things that make sense that will just make your job easier. Um, So a good example that I like to give is, yeah, when we're sharing data with externals, um, most of the people in my organization are, are very much just out there to help people and they mm-hmm. want to do the right thing and they want to give people as much as they can. So they might not think about the fact that sometimes they give too much data mm-hmm. away. Um, and something as simple as saying, well, really understand what the problem is you're trying to address and only provide the data associated with that you know, remove all of the personally identifiable information because you often don't need it. Yeah. Remove anything that might be risky mm-hmm. and then your ability to share that data becomes a lot freer um, and you can do more with it mm-hmm. because it's it's aggregated or it's um, depersonalised in a way that, that makes it easier to share. Um, and, you know, that sort of thing doesn't add any overhead Um, It's just about stopping and thinking sometimes and doing things a little bit differently so that, you know, you're still getting the outcomes that you need, but you're protecting your customers, you're providing a smaller set of data, for example, that might be able to then be higher quality because you can focus more on it. Um, There's a whole range of things that can come out of that just by taking a little bit of time to think about it differently without necessarily adding that overhead.
0: Excellent. Um, and just um, just to sort of unpack a little bit, one of the points that you mentioned there around, um, you know, ensuring that the individuals realise that it's not going to create more work for them, but it's about changing maybe some, the, the way that they're using the data or or the way they're inputting it or or, you know, whatever it may be that they're doing with that data. Can you share maybe a couple of techniques or methods that you are starting to put into place just to give us a bit of an, an idea of the things that you 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 could do
1: yeah and one thing um i've struggled with personally with the business cases that i've put together over the over the years is that data governance really is that stitch in time that saves nine mm-hmm. type things so it's really difficult to quantify the value of the activities that you do up front. Um, a really good example of that is we've had multiple, multiple projects over the years that have done data mapping for a particular migration or, or some sort of transformation activity where they've gone out to our business, they've understood the definitions of the data, they've documented it all in order to do their tra- transformations but then they don't do anything with that spreadsheet of really valuable information. So, you know, the first step and the really easy step for that is to start collating that in a central repository. Um, now, that doesn't mean that, you know, you need to go out and buy a data governance platform. Mm-hmm. A lot of the time that can just be managed in spreadsheets.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but the really critical component to it is that you've got to have someone who then takes ownership of maintaining that information because otherwise it goes stagnant really quickly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just as simple as starting to collate, collate that sort of thing um, and getting in some processes maybe that look at, you know, how do you get consistent decision-making across those data points? So identifying people that will maintain the approval process or, or something along that as well is is another thing that has a massive impact on the organization's ability to use that data again. Yeah. So,
0: Excellent. Um, brilliant. Thank you for that. Um, and um, in terms of, you, you touched on it there, is, you know, the value that data governance can bring. Um, you know, one of the challenges or not challenges, but but one of the business cases that, you know, data governance leaders have to to be able to put together is a case study or, um, you know, get the sponsorship from the senior management in terms of the investment and funding that's needed to, you know, to set it up, whether it's the long-term setup or whether it's immediately the, you know, the first step of the data governance um, journey that you're going through. How how have you um, demonstrated the value, or how could you demonstrate the value of the funding that's required to get it set up?
1: Yeah, and that absolutely is the toughest part of my job, I think. So, when I first started out, we did things like uh, looking at some of the industry models. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, yeah, one of the first slides I did it said something like, "A lot of organisations will spend approximately." $12 million a year on data quality management.
0: Yeah. Oh, wow. Um,
1: and, yeah, like these are huge, huge figures, and sometimes yeah. they're really hard for people to believe mm. um, because something like data quality particularly, you you don't see the implications of that directly. So, mm-hmm. you know, a poor decision that, that we made at some point years ago um, over – Yeah, a 10-year period has ended up in a massive remediation program Mm -hmm. that cost tens of millions of dollars to do. And I know most other banks have been in the media for similar types of things over the last few years. And, you know, when you look at the cost of the remediation of those things, you can start to understand how it translates back to such huge numbers. But, But most executives aren't interested in things after the fact. Yeah. Like that. So, it's, you know, how do you try and get that message across? So, um, one of the things that we did was, uh, and this was one of my predecessors, not me personally, but um, they went through the organization and counted up all of the existing roles that played some kind of data quality mm-hmm. role within what they did. And they looked at all of the equivalent FTE across all of those roles and how much we were spending on on basically yeah. fixing the data once we'd identified problems mm-hmm. and then and then brought that back into a tone and said, "Look, even if we you know centralized some of that um, or looked at shifting the data quality, Monitoring and reporting to the start of the process, so that it didn't proliferate through all of the different use cases for that particular data, It enabled them to start putting some quantifiable amounts um, on on the processes generally. Um, but yeah, it's it's something that uh, we're not very good at personally uh, mm-hmm. within our organisation, um, and and for me, it always comes back to for that individual it's not so much about the dollars but it's about them understanding how it relates to the goals and objectives that they're trying to achieve so for me it's more relating it to that um and really trying to chunk it down into smaller pieces so that you're not trying to establish a 20 million dollar business yeah. case up front but you say all right well you know, if I look at that example that I had before yeah. around the projects doing their data mapping, if we take the last ten years worth mm-hmm. of projects, estimated the FTE that was spent on that, and what we could have had if we just projected, yeah, a small team that maintained that data over that period of time, straight away you can see savings of quite significant amount mm-hmm. there as well. So you can start to Bring out those examples and say, "All right, well, let's just do that data dictionary to start with."
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and, and this is how we might save that money and and project that to the forward projects that you're looking at as well. So it's certainly not an exact science, and um, and it, it is very hard to specifically account the cost savings or the benefits that you'll get mm-hmm. from data governance because they do spread out through all the different initiatives that you'll do subsequently. And, um, yeah, obviously double counting things or, or missing things is something we always do when we try yeah. and build these business cases.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, look, that's a great example, I think, just, you know, because I think, you know, it would be really great for data governance professionals and leaders, um, you know, when they are sort of looking at putting things together to have different ways of, of um, you know, finding the monetary value as well of, um yeah. you know, why why you need to do this. And, and I think the way the way you sort of explained it there in terms of, you know, remediation is very common across all financial services, yeah. but there's a number of remediation projects that go on. And I think that's all part of organisation scaling and changing. And then, you know, uh, the, the regulations and the regulatory requirements that ah. require us to do that. So, quite often, There's a number of things that are often outside of our control um, that usually, um, you know, contribute to having to have remediation projects. But I think, like you said, if you can get um, things set up in a way that would help you long-term, you would save so much more down the track. And and I think that's the important message is what you're immediately trying to do is get data governance leaders and and the frameworks or the processes and procedures you're putting in place are not going to have an immediate return on investment, or you're not going to see the immediate value, but it's what you're going to see as you scale. And as you sort of, you know, over the years is when you start to really see the impacts of that. Um, And I know, I think everyone's sort of learned something from this recent Um, breach we've had with Optus you know it's been it's been huge and you know even as people like me who don't really know much about this space already you know the immediate thing that I sort of picked up on was was why are they keeping all this documentation for so many years like if they don't need it anymore what why is it you know why do they need to hold it I mean just something so simple um, Mm. as that that could have saved so much in what's happened you know it's, it's small things um that that can have massive impacts down the track so um I think certainly that you know you're right there are many many different things that you could be doing that are small changes but have huge consequences and impacts if if you don't do them correctly in the beginning yeah yeah that's right um and then look well we touched on this before in terms of you know it's not just sort of one person's role or one person's team's responsibility. Um, and, and you know, every organisation, I think, is going through a journey of data governance, right? They could be at different stages of the journey. I know you mentioned you're sort of really starting to now ramp up that, that function where you are and you're very much at the start of your journey. Um, but I think it's probably safe to say that even you know professionals like you you don't necessarily know everything um, and sometimes you kind of don't know what you don't know because you almost have to go through that process what would your sort of advice be <clears throat> to listeners or, or individuals or, or organizations that are maybe embarking on this journey just from what you've learned so far sure and
1: this is something i um i'm challenged with quite often is when i'm going out to new stakeholders They'll often say, oh, what's the rest of the industry doing? And is this process you're trying to introduce proven? <laughs> and and it's really difficult because every organization is different in mm-hmm. the way that they implement this. And and on top of that, you know, we're really evolving in the data space so quickly now that even if one organisation has done it a certain way, it doesn't necessarily mean it's right or yeah. that it, it's fit for everybody else as well. So, um, you know, I take the example of the work that the big four have done in the last few years around managing their critical data and some of the processes that they were asked to go through by the regulator. And a lot of what we're hearing coming out of that is was really labour intensive, and there are a lot of things that they did that didn't necessarily add value back to the business, or, or didn't really change the the risk that was associated with the the content or the topics that they were looking at. So, for me personally, um, you know, it's really about thinking about the way your organisation works, understanding what the problem areas are, and how your data is used, and taking those learnings from other people and applying it to your own situation. Um, you know, we do a, a, a lot of things within my team where we're looking at the DM and and some of the other industry standards associated with data governance and it's all really valuable but often it's coming from a very theoretical yeah. point of view. And so sometimes if you tried to apply that in practicality, it just wouldn't be sustainable. Um, you know, we've got an organisation that's quite small where we don't have a lot of money. We don't have a lot of resource to apply to these sort of things. So we've got to try and get the best bang for buck out of what we're doing. So it's, it's really about, yeah, trying to understand that. I, as much as I can, I, I reach out to random people on LinkedIn and wherever I can make connections to understand what they're doing. Uh, gives us a level of comfort when people are doing similar things um but yeah the the important thing for me is not just doing something because someone else is doing it but to to understand yeah how it's going to resolve a problem in our organization particularly how it fits with the the people structure that we've got too because that plays a really important role in this Um, and then trying to find something that that works across both of those things so Um, everyone's learning in this space I think Um, so my my biggest piece of advice is just try something Mm
0: -hmm.
1: it doesn't matter if it doesn't work Um, you know one of the the catchphrases that my boss and I say is we reserve the right to get it wrong but yeah we want to try something so that we can learn from it because trying something and getting it wrong is better than not doing anything at all yeah Um, and we just try and you know fail quickly, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or, or using pilots is a really good way that we found to you know start it off with just a small group, and if it doesn't work, then change it and do something different before you roll it out to the broader enterprise.
0: Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Um, and I suppose obviously, given that you you know you're sort of uh, you know relatively at the infancy of your sort of journey, how have you structured your team there, um Kylie, in terms of you know, that might just give, you know, individuals an idea of the the key roles that you've got in your data management sort of team or data governance team. How have you sort of structured the key areas? Sure.
1: And I laugh a little there because <laughs> a lot of um a lot of the first couple of years it really was just me mm-hmm. um and maybe one other person in my team. Um, so the the way we've done it is we have a, a second line risk function that mm-hmm. I've partnered quite closely with um, and I've also reached out to a lot of the other groups within the organization that are doing governance or risk related activities to try and share resources and and share activities with them to help um, it's really only in the last 12 months that we've we've started to build the team up and we've got a really large program of work over the next few years now to Establish the foundation, so we're starting to build the the team as a result of that. But um, essentially, um, I started off with someone that could help me deliver some standards and frameworks, and really get our head around what it was that we wanted to achieve through mm-hmm. the data governance program. Um, and I was really lucky that I also had a bit of a unicorn in the the first person that I employed; that she had a really strong technical data background as well. So could start to do a lot of the analysis and and data to back up what we were trying to do. Um, In the last 12 months, we've also brought in someone who's got experience with some of the tools and and processes associated with managing our enterprise processes. Um, Now, she's not actually doing work at the moment in terms of you know, pushing it out to the business, but it's really helping us to structure what those processes are as we pilot them with different groups and start to get our head around what that target state might look like. Um, So, yeah, moving from there, we're only just starting now to look at hiring um, some data quality experts and some people that have got that deep analysis to really support the business in what they're doing in the critical data space And the intent there is that we actually don't want to centralise all of this within our function, but we recognise in the beginning that the business won't have the resources to do this themselves to Mm -hmm. start with. So we want to bring in some people as part of this project to start embedding the right practices and, and help get that knowledge and experience out there with a view that over time... We'll transition these skills and, and FTE out into the business areas and they'll manage that themselves. And then, you know, ultimately, I guess, from a, um, a data governance team and data office, we'll just be responsible for, you know, managing the frameworks and helping with those enterprise tools and processes that create consistency of operation across
0: the group. Fantastic. Um, and look, you touched on it there, obviously, it's about bringing in, um, you know, certain skills and, and technical knowledge to be able to help you sort of understand and do some analysis around what problems you're trying to solve. What um, What skills do you believe um, can be, trans- or not, I say sort of transferred, because data governance roles haven't sort of existed for a very long time. So yeah. they're obviously relatively new to the market. And as, as you're probably aware, the market's pretty tight at the moment, so helping um, data governance leaders or organisations understand the, you know, the kind of, you know, characteristics or skills that are needed. Um, What would you say um, are the sorts of skills that are transferable into data governance roles? Obviously, somebody from a data analysis background could be suitable, I mean, from from your experience. Yeah. Yeah. And, look, it's,
1: it's really, really broad. Um, depending on what aspect of data governance you're doing. So, you know, as I've mentioned a few times, I am not technical Mm -hmm. at all, Um, particularly now with all of the cloud technologies and everything going on. I used to be able to keep up with architecture, but it's just too complex for me now. So, you know, my skill set is primarily around helping people to understand the value of things, helping people to understand how they can embed the change, how they can uplift their understanding of data, change their processes, all of that business-related mm-hmm. acumen. So, you know, from that point of view, any business user could potentially come in and add value to this space mm-hmm. if they've got that high-level understanding of how to build trust in data mm-hmm. and the sorts of things required to, to make it better and more useful to people. Um, now, that alone obviously isn't going to be enough. <laughs> yeah. Um So you do need to complement both sides. Um, As I mentioned before, you know, finding that unicorn who's got both skill sets is often really difficult in this space. So um, complementing the team with the mix of the change and um, strategy people with those true Technologists as mm-hmm. well that can, yeah, you really get into the data and unpick it and and support some of those operational processes around better management and better governance of the data. So, you know, I like to say to people that anyone could fit in my team. It's just a, a matter of finding the right niche spot yeah. that suits their particular skill set.
0: Yeah, excellent. Um, and look, I think one of the discussions that we're often having with leaders is if you're struggling to. Find these individuals, you know, ticking all the boxes. Think about the people that you've currently got in your business and who are the ones you can upskill because if they've already got that knowledge of how the organisation works, how the data flows, you can probably teach them some of those technical things. You know, there's so many courses available. Investing in that time, um, you know, a month to two months um, will probably be much more valuable than hiring and spending three months trying to hire somebody and still not finding somebody, you know, by that third point, you've already got somebody who's already picked up those skills. Yeah. So we're sort of, um, you know, talking to leaders around how they can sort of overcome some of those challenges that they might be facing when they're trying to recruit as well. Because, I mean, obviously, being in, in that data space and, and knowing the market quite... Uh, intimately you know we're sort of talking to individuals all the time um, and what we've found particularly in data governance is people have made moves like this. they've they've either moved laterally into this role or they've sort of moved into this role or just taken on more of a lead in this role because it's a passion of theirs it's something they're really interested in so they're just not roles that I mean they will now but they're just not roles that people kind of go land into um, have landed into so I think there's definitely a bit of a gap I think with you know, the, the, the demand versus what's available, you know, as well. So, um, you know, yeah. I think that's, that's really interesting where you you mentioned that you can sort of find roles and then it's just about trying to upskill, I think, and fill those gaps with the people that are interested in learning that.
1: Um, yeah, and it, we're even seeing it with the technology platforms mm-hmm. that are coming out now. Over the last few years, they've really shifted away from being technology user-based and really focusing on the business being able to use them so their interfaces are so much easier for business people to use. You know, quite often you're creating um, SQL, for example, through a drag and drop workflow that any business user should be able to, to manage. So it's really making it easier to, to bring those sorts of people in.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's great, I think, especially because of, you know, the, the, the need for, um, you know, more of these individuals across the data space. Um, and I suppose lastly, um, you know, how do you feel, uh, and you know, you may not be aware of where this is going to go, but what are your views on how data governance is going to evolve over the next few years, I mean, from what it is now?
1: Look, it's it's really hard to say. Um, I I think it's about people just, better understanding their data. I, I keep saying we're immature. Like The, mm-hmm. the data landscape is just exploding. Mm-hmm. And so many people still don't know the bounds of the asset that they actually have. Yeah. So I think there's still a lot that people are doing just in, you know, getting the base level of maturity sorted. Um, but really, once you you harness that power of your data, being able to use it, you know, for analytical purposes and to gain better insights out of it, uh, some of the outcomes that we're seeing. You know, data science is just taking off all over the place and and better integrating those data governance functions with the consumers at the other end and and helping them to problem solve along the way, I think is what we're going to see more. So not so much different processes or different activities, but just better integration um, with the, the rest of the business operations,
0: yeah, yeah, brilliant. Um, and look, one of the things you mentioned there, you know, you, you sort of tried to, um, you know, get ideas of, um, you know, what different individuals are doing, what industry peers are doing. We're actually corporate members of Dharma, um, we've got a, you know, we help, um, you know, sort of facilitate some roundtables for them, so you can bring people together. So, you know, that that's certainly something that, you know, if um, if you if your team or you're not not sort of part of it you know I know that that's a good group of individuals um, yeah. they you know and they they talk a lot about what they're doing or the different strategies so that could be a forum that might be of use to you guys as well
1: yeah absolutely and a lot of my staff participate um, in those forums as well um, really good for just reaching out to random people and yeah. asking for help.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Definitely. absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Kylie. It's been a really great, um, interesting discussion. Um, thank you for sharing your views. I always ask uh, the guests as well, um, just like you, you know, if there's anybody listening out there and wants to, you know, pick your brains about something we've talked about or feels that, that you might be able to help sort of give them some suggestions, are you happy for them to reach out to you on LinkedIn? Ah,
1: absolutely. Um, And as I said, I I even still feel like a bit of a novice. So if people want to give me advice, yeah, I'm more than happy to hear that as well if you've got things to share. But yeah, that's really valuable. Um, Yeah, happy to connect with anyone.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you once again.
1: Uh, Thank you. I appreciate being invited along.